Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I'm Ronan Gain and joining me is my b-ball brother from across the pond, Christian Nambu. What's up, man? I don't know what's going on. I think this is uh, Happy New Year's. I haven't seen you since last week, so we got we got a few days into 2021. How you doing? Well, I'm just hoping 2021 is a little bit better than 2020. Thankfully, it's still crappy out there, but we have NBA basketball to watch and we're two weeks in and some trends are starting to show. All right, we're, we're going to continue our early season reactions and probably regret them later on, but we're going to do it regardless. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some disappointments you've had this season. Uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind? First team for me has got to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, surprise, surprise, they started hot. Cat goes down after two wins from two games, and now they've lost four in a row. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take for this team to get it right or to show some sort of form, but, I mean, it's been it's been irritating to start the season because they were looking good with Cat after those first two games, and it's just a shame that, once again, he's down with an injury and they don't know how to win without him. Yeah, it's tough to see early on a team like this that you wanted to see start off strong. You wanted to see them get off with a spark. But I think we really got to remember this team is the youngest team in the league. They got most of their guys not even the age of 25. You got a rookie in Edwards. You got a, a young guy in Culver. I mean, a Kogi himself, who is one of their defensive leaders, who is hurt right now. That's a, also a major issue that they're dealing with right now. He's also young. So you got a bunch of young guys, a young coach, and they're trying to just put it all together. And you see that they don't really have that continuity that a lot of other teams have. It's been a major factor recently. Um, that continuity is not there for them to know what rotations they're in, what positions they're playing. And it's really showing, their youth is showing. Yeah, and I think it it is tough to kind of get too mad at them because you, 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 you have to remember they are still a young team. They're still learning. And D'Angelo Russell said after the, the latest defeat against against the Nuggets, he came out and said that this team is not ready to win yet because they're still learning to lose. And I mean, it sounds obviously, it sounds like just complete and utter bullshit from uh, from the, uh, but maybe 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 he's got a point if you if you actually can sit back and and, and appreciate what he's trying to say with with that comment. Well. 
I would have expected you to be a little bit more understanding because I think the Bulls and the Knicks for sure have done plenty of uh, good losing for the past few years. I mean, I totally see his point, though. But the counterpoint is that this team is not waiting around. This organization is not waiting around. The fan base is definitely not waiting around. This has been a team with Carl Anthony Towns that has been begging for a playoff appearance, which they've only had with Jimmy Butler a couple years back. So it's really haunting them to get started. And the sad truth is that he's right. They're not ready to win. And it's the youth. It's a lack of continuity. I mean, the rotations you've seen so far, they had Jarrett Culver playing the four. And Juan Hernan Gomez doesn't look like the guy he was on the Nuggets. Um, Ed Davis, while his defense is there, his rebounding is there, he isn't that pick and roll guy that you need, that you only really have with Carl Anthony Towns. I, I don't think they have enough front court depth right now, especially to pair with D'Angelo Russell, who they can't even figure out whether they're playing him at the one or the two. They've, they've just started getting him back um, in the starting lineup solely as a point guard. But what have you thought of their rotation so far? I mean, they, they look confusing to me. It looks like it'll take them many trials to get it out. And that's a common theme with a lot of these disappointing teams. It is, yeah. And I think it's tough. They're in a tough spot, and especially when they can't they're not able to to have Carol Anthony Towns out in the court because at the end of the day, this whole team is built around Carol Anthony Towns and it's built to succeed when he is playing at the five. I mean, it's it's not looking good, but for me, I still they're in a tough spot. Okay, obviously the rotation, the important players are injured, but D'Angelo Russell has just been so so bad this year. I mean, look at him. He, he made the big deal about him coming back to play with Cat. Cat's his boy. They were going to ball out together. Of course, we haven't really got to see it so far. But I mean, the only thing that's been impressive about Russell is that he's shooting just below forty from three point range. I think I give I'll give him credit on that. But in the games without Towns, those four games since Towns went down, he's averaging just fourteen and a half points. Uh, two and a half boards and just over four assists. And I mean, th that's just not good enough. I mean, of course, he's going to show a better version of himself when he's playing with Towns. But when Towns is down, when one star is down, the other guy has got to be able to step up and be able to run the team and be able to impact victories. Biggest thing for Minnesota is having themselves not in a complete hole when Towns comes back, he's already missed four games. They've lost all four. He's going to miss, I think, at least the four games this week. They cannot afford to go 0-4 this week again. Absolutely. And you have the bottom line point right there is that no matter what you point to, what the strategic reason is, D'Angelo Russell has the potential to be and has to be on this team the guy. When Carl Anthony Towns is out, he needs to be performing at a higher level. And what we can be hopeful about is that you saw flashes of that um, and what he was calling a bad loss against the Denver Nuggets. And it, it was a close game throughout until that 40-point fourth quarter they gave up. But you saw that they could be competitive against a really good team when they're hot. So, I mean, in the third quarter, they outscored Denver 36-28. to and they shot 65% from the field. And D'Angelo Russell, he did look good when he was feeling confident in his role there. And he scored 10 points and six assists in just a handful of minutes in the third there. 
So I think I'm not too worried in the long term because they have a little ways to go in terms of getting their rotation right and and getting everybody healthy. As soon as they get Josh Okogie back, that's going to make a massive difference. Although what you don't see from them is a natural fit for some of these players. You envy the amount of wings that they got. I mean, they're running out rotations of Culver and Josh Okogie, and you definitely don't want to be seeing that in the opposing front court, back court rather. But you don't see that they have a natural fit that should have given them the boost that you'd hoped that they would have gotten given the amount of moves they've made. Even getting back Rubio hasn't looked that successful. Although we'll watch how these rotations uh, work out in the next few games. Uh, they have a very difficult schedule coming up um, with the first being the Detroit Pistons. Uh, or no, that was their, their first win, sorry. Their first is the Wizards. They're going after the Nuggets again. The Nuggets again tonight, rather. The Blazers face the Spurs twice and the Grizzlies. So the Spurs have actually, I thought, we haven't included them in this, this podcast, but they look pretty solid. Um, the Grizzlies are feisty. The Blazers, I would give them that win. We'll see how they perform tonight against the Nuggets. But they have a chance to right the ship here. We'll see if they can do it. Yeah, I mean, they got to they gotta be they got to be getting at least two, three wins there. They got to, at the very least, split the series with the Spurs. And Grizzlies, without Jamarant, they should definitely be confident of being able to go and get, get, a, get, get a W there. I mean, it's been offensive struggles as much as anything, unfortunately, for the Timberwolves, which is surprising because they're sitting 26th with offensive rank and 25th in the league in points per game. So, it's you'd say obviously I'm not saying they're anything great on the defensive end or anything like that, but you'd hope obviously the return of Towns will help boost that up. But it's an area that they're struggling with, and you just think offense is kind of the side of the floor where you can be a little bit more confident that if you start low there, you can boost it up higher with uh, playing more games and getting getting guys back. So I think that's that's one bright spark. If, if you're the, the offense is more of a problem than the defense, it's probably probably a good sign for for the Timberwolves. Yeah, and that focal point is that game tonight against the Denver Nuggets. You've seen a lot of these back to back games uh, against the same opponents this season, which I think is due to the uh, the COVID schedule that they made. And what you get to see is how teams can game for each other, face each other one night, and then do it all again the next day. So this is going to be a big test of whether they can make the adjustments they need to make against a very good opponent. And same thing for the Nuggets. They had a little bit of a bounce back game, although it was against the Timberwolves, so you can't give them too much credit for that. But they are definitely landing on our list of disappointing teams this year, given their recent performances. Um, we'll see how they play tonight, but what have you thought of their recent games this late? It's kind of been hard to get get down on them too much because it's been great watching Jokic. Jokic yeah. is averaging a 20-point triple-double. He looks unbelievable. Uh, his shooting stats have just been has been so impressive, but the Nuggets are two and four. They're struggling defensively, and it's it's looking like their business in the summer just ended up to be a bit of a nightmare. I mean, they lost. Craig, Grant, and Plumley, 
and that's really hurting their defense. And that's they're they're, they're second last in um, in terms of defensive rating, which is so so not good for a team. <laughs> were in the finals last year. The the Western Conference Finals, they looked very good on the defensive end for many, many stretches. And that's not something you have this year because the guys that made that happen just aren't there. Um, you got really good stretch from uh, Torrey Craig, like you said. Jeremy Grant, we talked ad nauseum about his uh, defensive matchups throughout the year last season. Um, and combine that with uh, Paul Millsap getting a little bit older, and Mason Plumley not being there to defend the paint, that like you said, they have the second to last defensive rating, and opponents are shooting seventy-one percent right at the rim, which it lands in bottom five there, forty-three percent from three, and I think the issue is for me not the defense because I expected that that, that wasn't a huge disappointment. I expected them to, to be very bad. Um, for me, it's the team as a whole. The second unit does not look good. They have not had any um, good front court rotations to this point. And again, where's Bobo? I he he was being put out there by the Nuggets as this uh, possible fourth star on their team, and they have barely given him any run. I, I wonder if he's going to see the floor. Yeah. Now. It- the way that the, that the Nuggets were kind of hyping him, the way he was hyping himself, it was kind of you got the feeling that this guy was gonna gonna really see a lot of a lot of decent minutes uh, in every game this year, but we just have not seen it at all. And then, I mean, he ain't gonna be the another star that they they clearly are desperately needing. And then, MPG, he only played four games this year, but unfortunately. He's still he, he's going to put up quality numbers, but he still looks like the kind of guy that's still trying to figure figure out his game, and the Nuggets are still trying to figure out how he fits into this team. And you just keep on that that question just keeps nagging at you: Is this the guy that they need right now, alongside Murray and Jokic, or or is it time to maybe just cut the ties and get in a guy that would that that would uh, that would suit the front court or the the star duo of Jokic and Murray? Yeah, Porter Porter being out right now is also hurting them in terms of figuring out their rotations. Again, all these disappointing teams, rotations, rotations, rotations. A lot of new guys, their backup point guard, Kambatso, um, whose name is endlessly fun to say, especially hearing it on the Gamecast. He is a guy who should be helping out their, their offense more. In the last couple of games, you've seen these, these uh, guys like Kambatso, like Morris, pick it up. And it's an encouraging sign that they were able to win in such a um, convincing fashion against the Timberwolves, that 40-point fourth quarter. And we'll see what happens tonight. Again, I think some of these games at the the second, third week where teams are starting to figure each other out and rotations are starting to come together, this, I think, is going to be the point at which these teams start to define their identity and start to pull ahead. First week, maybe not. Second week, probably not, but you get into the third, fourth week, and we're starting to see some of the players um, come alive. And another team that we want to talk about here, let's touch on the Blazers. I guess you're a little more disappointed than I am. I, I kind of, I was kind of expecting to start a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, 
they're, they've gone three and three. They've been they've been fairly they've made a fairly decent start, especially you got that they've had a fairly a fairly tough schedule. But the thing that's really bugging me with Trailblazers is I, I allowed last year because there was injury problems and they were just kind of having facing maybe a bit of a drop off after a surprisingly big year in the previous season. But my big thing with them is their lack of an identity as a team. And I mean, all I'm seeing really is they're fully reliant on Lillard and McCollum to step up with huge games or else they're not really going to be able to do anything. They've had three, three good wins against, uh, including wins over the Rockets and the Lakers. But the losses, they lost by 20 points against Utah, 23 points against the Clippers, 15 against Golden State. You just don't know what you're going to get out of this this Portland team. And this is a team that should be looking to make a challenge this year. But for me at the moment, they don't look like a team. They just look like a bunch of individuals going out on that court. Yeah, some of these losses were just bad. I mean, what you kind of want to see is Dame dominate night and night again, but that's not sustainable. And I wonder how much of this is fatigue. Um, the only guy that you can really praise right now on that team is CJ McCollum. And he is just shooting lights out. I mean, he came out of the gate shooting um, in the past, I think, five games now. He's the first in three-pointers made. He's a first in assist to turnover ratio. And he's fifth overall in scoring. Um, and interesting fun fact here. He joined Steph Curry as the second player in NBA history to make 25 three-pointers in the first five games. In terms of health, he looks good. We forget the fact that he fractured his, his back. He literally broke his back during the bubble and was playing through that in the playoffs. So to, to make a bounce back like this, uh, he's kept the ship afloat. Um, that you're right, they, they haven't looked like they have deserved to be afloat half the time. And what did we say when we were previewing this team? Shooting was going to be a major, major issue. You're not going to get a lot of shooting from their wings there. And you think Carmelo Anthony is going to come off the bench and save you. And another disappointing point is, is Nurkic. I don't think Nurkic is all the way there yet. I think he's still getting into it. Um, I will give him plenty of run before I, I give up on him being the uh, – the borderline all-star center he was a couple years back before he got hurt, but he needs to get up to speed in order for this team to be competent, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just so up in the air. If you're looking, looking stats-wise, I mean, they're averaging about 100, 115, 116 points a game, which is good enough for eighth in the league, which is solid, but then opponents' points per game, they're at near 120, which is fourth last in the league, then offensive rating up around midway, but defensive rating, they are 28th in the league. So that's just what I'm seeing so much of this team. One night they can go out and be electric, but then the next night they go out and they cannot get a stop to save their lives. So that's, that's, a, that's a big issue for Portland. They need their team to start clicking. They need everything to come together or else they're going to be once again in a, in a battle to make the playoffs. So tonight they play the Chicago Bulls. Um, that could be a trap game for them. I'll, I'll tell you that much. But they had recently uh, taken that massive loss to Steph Curry with that 62 points, um, losing 137 to 122. 
And I mean, they had some pretty tough matchups for that. They already played the Clippers, Lakers, Rockets, Jazz. So it seems like their schedule's coming a little bit to a hold here where they can figure things out. They've got the Bulls, Timberwolves, Kings, Raptors, Kings, and then Pacers after that. But they should be fine going into next week. And long-term, however, I think this is a team that I am pretty low on in terms of contention. Dame's not going to take them any further than they did last year. And CJ doing better, that's fine. But that doesn't fix the problems that they have on the wing and the shooting that they have around them, their interior defense. And the thing is, when you face teams like the Warriors who got a Steph Curry, they don't have anyone who could defend him. And you got to get Gary Trent out there if you're going to try. He's He needs to have a little bit more run. He needs to get healthy right now, first and foremost. But he's... If it was just a flash in the pan in the bubble, you got to be disappointed in that because he was a big factor in, in pushing them through the bubble into the playoffs. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, there was a lot of talk that that last season was, was going to be the last year for this Blazers team. They've run it back, and maybe we're starting to see that, that feeling within the team, and maybe that it was the call to split up the uh, split up the duo of Lillard and McCollum maybe was the right call to make. I think that's that's maybe what we are seeing. But of course, the two of them together is, is all that's keeping the team afloat at the moment. So you, you can look at it from, from both sides of the coin there. Mm-hmm. And the team that's kind of teetering here is the Warriors. We talked about Steph Curry's 62-point game, dropped another big 30-plus point game. He scored, I think, 92 points over the last two games now stopping their uh, losing skid there. Are you worried about them? Are you not worried about them? I'm not sure how I feel about a team that gets blown out by the Nets and blown out by the Bucks, which they should. But then they also took uh, a nail to the Blazers a couple couple days ago too. So some of their losses have been ugly. Some of their wins have looked good when Curry looks good. But this isn't the Warriors team we had hoped it would be. And no, uh, we were expecting this Warriors team to – to, to bounce back maybe not as strongly as when we thought it was going to be the splash brothers back in action but even still it's below what the expectation ones were uh, before this season at the end of the day Steph Curry is a scoring superstar greatest shooter of all time no doubt about it so he is capable of keeping the Warriors relevant but they're going to need Wiggins to step up, they're going to need Green to get back to some sort of form, and they're going to need a lot more out of Kelly Oubre, and just in terms of the the, the main kind of question mark still is, is a Wiseman who they drafted this year, I think I've liked what I've seen out of him but they might have to, ex- to lean on them just a little bit more than they probably would have wanted to this season, given the situation that they're now in he looks like the second best player on this team right now, not Draymond Green. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Wiseman, but at the same time, you kind of wish that he could just kind of play his game and feel his way into the league. But unfortunately, he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to have to step up and be and be producing night after night if if the Warriors are going to are going to stay in relevant contention for a playoff spot. So. Yes, Wiseman looks good. I, w- I would say that he's going to be a factor in terms of keeping this team afloat because they don't they don't have a whole lot of talent in the front court outside of him and Green. They 
Steve Kerr loves to run Looney out there because he knows how to run their system. But they need to get some production out of him. And it's been a lot of positives for a guy that I had some question marks about. He looks like a legitimate two-way player. He has that Embiid factor at moments where he can oversize people and use his um, abilities, his athleticism to dominate players. You know you're not going to get it out of him for the whole season, though. Um, so it's been encouraging to see Draymond be as impactful as he has the past few games. I mean, three games alone, he's already had 17 assists. You already see the offense moving a lot better, although the offense looked pretty bad to start out. You couldn't look any worse than they did. Um, and it just goes to show that I'm not sure if we're not talking enough about how Steve Kerr was a championship coach because of his players as much as we talked about you know who over in Miami's. Spolcher was killed for that. And now Steve Kerr is running out lineups with, with solid players, but not getting any results. I think green is the answer to all this. It, it's going to go away eventually. Um, but this little blip that we got with Curry dropping 92 points isn't going to last much longer. They got a really tough stretch coming up at the Clippers twice. Raptors should be fine. But then they got the Pacers, Nuggets, Suns, Lakers. They're going to have to really step up to survive this stretch. And stretches like these can easily define the first part of your season and where you end up. Yeah, I think you, you should be happy about this, though, because if uh, Steve Kerr can't can work something with this, uh, his current roster, that, I think that's going to uh, gonna make your your boy Spolcia look, 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 look even better, you know? Better. But, um, certainly, yeah, I think the schedule coming up is, is going to be big for them. And, of course, you never count Steph out because you know he's capable of dropping 35 on anyone. But the teams that they're coming up and facing now all have players that are capable of defending him. And that's when they're going to need other players to be able to make plays to free Steph up and to be able to make plays to score when Steph says Steph's getting double teamed. He's just being, he's just getting, getting really well matched up. They're going to need guys like Wiseman, like Wiggins, like Ubre to step up for them. And I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Yeah. Th this is an interesting time for Steph's career. And I think we need to talk about the conversation that's going on with his comparisons with him and Dame, how we, how he stands in terms of um, all time rankings. And I think it is very soon to be talking about that when in his age 32 season, where he still, he still has a plenty of years left. Um, but this is going to be the first time that he's really had to drag a team to the playoffs at, at this, at this level, his, his bet most talented, um, running mate right now is going to be a 19 year old rookie. And he's got a washed up version of Draymond Green, who's still good. He's still a good player. And then he's got to drag Andrew Wiggins, who, now I can't figure out whether he's a mid-range shooter or a three-point shooter because now he's shooting 40% from three, but he's shooting crap from mid-range. He's shooting sub-40, way, way sub-40. I'll have to look back on that. But And then he's got a, a broken Kelly Oubre shooting 17% from three. He's got to do a lot, a lot here, more than he's ever done before. And my point to people who are comparing, who are comparing him to Dame and saying, oh, well, Dame's never done what he had already did until last year or talking about how 
how Curry has been a champion and how he's been in those moments and performed. It, it's all true. I just have not seen him do it to this degree. And I think this is the type of season that he can have to vault himself to the point where you can compare him to LeBron in a way. Because he LeBron's done it. Le, LeBron's dragged those teams. You've seen um, superstars who stayed with their teams and dragged bad teams to the playoffs, they are considered in a higher light that Steph Curry has a chance to do right now. I think he can do it. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. As I keep saying, you, you don't, don't back against Steph Curry. This guy is the elite scorer, arguably the elite shooter anyway in the NBA. And he, he's going to score big. It's just whether the rest of the team can do enough to not just have him score, but they still lose big because that's that's the way I'm looking at it now. I think Steph could easily be the scoring champ this year, averaging near 30 points, and it's not going to matter because the rest of the team are not going to be able to do enough to to keep to, to, to keep the Warriors relevant. Uh, so my worry certainly is not Steph. My concern is just what the Warriors can get out of the rest of the team for for uh, for this season. So are you. I'd say on the Warriors, we're not we're not too worried. I think they're gonna be fighting, however, still for, for that outside seventh, sixth through eighth, um, maybe even the play-in. But how about some some good news, some positive vibes? We've had plenty of surprises in this first couple of weeks, um, but I think one of our favorites has to be your Knicks. We got to talk about they've they've been hot and cold. They've had some big moments here and there. We we got to give some credit here to to Tibbs Knicks. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't want I wanted you to bring them up, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, waiting. They've had they've had some big wins and they've beaten teams like the Bucks, like the Pacers, like the Hawks. These are good teams, and they've won games. The type of games that they've won are games that there was no way in hell that they were ever going to win last year. I mean, last night against Atlanta, they came back from 15. Yeah, you second. texted me. I was like, there's no way. There's no way you guys are coming back and winning this. I wasn't even going to turn it back on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was shocked. But Julius Randle, this guy, i got to give him respect. He's, he's playing like an all-star right now. 22 points, 11 boards, uh, nearly seven and a half assists a game. He's shooting 51% from the field, shooting uh, over 40% from three, and that's on four attempts a game. And that, if he can keep any sort of uh, percentage like that for, for the season, oh my, that would be unbelievable for us. The biggest thing this year, the biggest difference is that Julius Randle is now impacting victories for the New York Knicks instead of just being our only guy out there on the floor really putting up consistent numbers. So, yeah, I'm not going to get carried away, but Julius Randle is balling out, and Coach Dibbs, you, you're doing something right anyway. It's it's funny that we look at his performances and we don't think of him as the seventh overall lottery pick who's coming into his prime. We just kind of see it as this side piece that the Knicks got in a trade that is doing really well. And you think that Knicks fans kind of hope that you can trade them. I don't think a lot of Knicks fans are necessarily even on uh, Randall Island. They're on trade Randall Island right now. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it, it's, it's fun to be able to have, uh, have that little bit of excitement. You just, 
unfortunately, when you're a Knicks fan, you just you just you always have that in your back of mind. Okay, so when's it all going to go shit again? <laughs> so I was I was pretty surprised about that. I, mean, I did not see that coming. Um, a team that I should have seen coming though is Indiana. Indiana has been arguably one of the team, the, one of the best teams to come out in this early season, and. Nobody talks about them. No one gives them the credit they deserve, but they are always, like you say, they're always just reliably very good. And the guy who's really pushing this is Sabonis. And I think he can vault them from just this conversation of a good team to a great team. He's played like Jokic. I've been pretty excited about him. What have you thought so far? Yeah, I mean, this is Sabonis. The biggest thing about Sabonis is he just – he looks like a completely different guy in the court. I like I don't even recognize him there. That, but the hair, the beard, and everything. He just he looks like he's a new player that's come out, come out for for this Indiana team. But I mean, he's doing it all on on both ends of the court. And the the, the biggest thing that that boost that Indiana will get is that he actually fouled out last night, uh, late in the fourth, and they were still able to go through to overtime and win the game against the Pelicans which shows that they've got a lot of talent uh, around this team. And, I mean, you got to give credit to first-year coach for Nate uh, in Indiana. I mean, there was a was lot. I don't even know how to say his name. Oh, I have no idea how to say his name. Was it Bjork? That was the guy that I did not know how to say his name, and I still don't know how to say his name. We're going Bjorkrent. Nate, Nate Bjorkrent. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's my attempt anyway. But – there was a lot of turmoil in the summer. They obviously fired the coach. And it kind of seemed like every one of their best players was being linked with a move away. But they've all stayed put and they're coming back and they're just being what the Indiana Pacers are. They're just so solid all the time. And they've got Sabonis balling out, looking like he's capable of pushing them up. And they got Oladipo playing like the Victor Oladipo we saw in 2017-18 that led to the Pacers to a seven-game series in the, the Eastern Conference playoffs with, with, with LeBron. I think an important part of this, too, for the Pacers is that their personnel has been used, used a little bit differently here. I think Malcolm Brogdon's a little bit more comfortable playing off the ball. They played him a lot on the ball last year. That made his efficiency dip. And... Malcolm Brogdon is an all-around beast on the offensive end when he's playing efficient. And the reason he was so good is because he was efficient. So getting him back in those spots, getting him that back in that role in that position, especially now that you have Oladipo around to play make. And I mean, Oladipo's shot has looked great. But like, I, I think so far he's looked about as good as you'd hope he'd look off that injury. He looked a little bit rusty coming back in the bubble, but he looks more of himself right now. And people need to stop sleeping on this team. It's not, it's not a four-team contention in the East right now. I think you add in the Pacers, given the amount of talent they have coming out of not just Oladipo now, we got to start looking at Sabonis as one of the premier players in this league. He's shown it for the past season. He's showing it even more now. He's making another jump in the way that I think we saw Jokic making that jump a few years back. Now that he looks comfortable, he's getting his shots, he knows how to get to his spots, and he knows the team around him. And he playmakes like Jokic and from the high post 
in a way that you only see a very, very few players in this league do. You see it from LeBron, you see it from Jokic, you see it from uh, Luka, and you see that same sort of back-to-the-basket playmaking from Sabonis. Yeah, I think uh, you can't. I can't talk highly enough of this guy this year. I think he he he's been so impressive. Maybe, maybe the most impressive player in the early weeks of this season, and it's kind of everything's going through him. And uh, you look at Miles Turner. He was a guy I had a lot of question marks heading into the season. He needed a big jump. He's not really shown anything, but you're not really even noticing that he's kind of able to just go about and just continue being a blocking machine. And uh, Sabonis is there, and uh, you're you're kind of forgetting about Miles Turner as kind of a as one of the big stars in this Indiana team. But the shot has been impressive, especially from Oladipo and Brogdon. Both of them shooting around seven three pointers a game, and both of them shooting upwards of forty four percent. They they are hot at this very moment. They're five and two. And I think this might this is looking like it could be the year that the Pacers show themselves to be a little bit more than your six, seven seed in the Eastern Conference. I, I think they I put them right there as well. And right now they're five and two, an impressive five and two also. Um, I mean they they have beat good teams and they've beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, and how do you think they're gonna the stand out? Um, after playing some tougher matchups. I mean, they, they got the Suns coming up. They got the Rockets coming up. Um, the Blazers, where we, we talked about them as a disappointment, but, um, and then the Suns again. They have, I'd say, a mediocre stretch here. I think they continue their their impressive play for the next couple of weeks. They could be looking at a 10-win a start for the first couple of months. Yeah, this is this kind of the first st- uh, tester for them, the, this kind of schedule coming up. It's not nothing overly it wouldn't be overly impressive if they came out with a uh, with a good few wins for the, this next uh, stretch of games but it's kind of the first little test of this Pacers team but I mean why shouldn't they be fully confident they are getting great numbers out of their starting team and their their bench they're, they're showing great depth uh, in this Pacers team as well so they should be super confident about continuing on this run and really announcing themselves as a contender in the Eastern Conference in the early weeks of this season. Anyone in the East that's surprising you right now? Maybe Atlanta for good reasons and bad. <laughs> yeah, all right. Throw it at me. Biggest thing I'll start, we'll, we'll stick to the positives so far. And the positives for them have been DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish for me. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of these two guys this year. They're really, they've really taken a jump, Hunter especially, but Reddish as well. Reddish is kind of putting up similar numbers to what he did last year, but I feel like I notice him more on the floor now. I notice him making plays and making moves a lot more than I did last year. Mm -hmm. Hunter's, that's the biggest improvement for me the confidence with which he's shooting right now, the, the Hawks are calling plays for him to get his shots and they're, they're not easy threes. Like he's taking contested threes. He's not wide open anymore. Um, his shot form has definitely improved. The quickness of his release seems improved. 
overall on the offensive end, he looks much more confident, not only in just shooting, but putting the ball on the floor, playmaking. And to see that from your, your three and D wing, I think evolving a little bit more into a modern day wing who can play, make, shoot, defend four positions. He's looking like he's starting to blossom into that guy. Um, I've hoped that I would get a little bit more out of uh, Cam Reddish because he's just had more and more flashes. But it, it feels like with every flash you get, you then get a him jumping into a triple team under the basket and throwing the ball away. And then right after that, you'll, you'll see him break down the defense and like whip an impossible pass to the corner. It's a, he just flashes talent that if he can put it together too, that's just another guy that they have to invest in over the future for them to come for me. Like the biggest thing though, is like with all these young guys, with all these moving pieces, they've looked like they've been playing together. They look like they've had continuity. They don't look like an awkward fit. Everything looks like it works. Yeah, you haven't you haven't really even noticed the, the new guys that much. I mean, it was obviously it was a big hullabaloo about the guys they were bringing in this this off season, but it's the development in the players that were there last year that has been the big upside for this Atlanta team. I think another guy off the bench is Kevin Herter. He's coming off the bench now and he's shown his value to the team because he, he he's stepping up and he, he's he's playing important minutes, showing his quality as a shooter and showing that he can really impact this this Atlanta team in a positive way. And the biggest thing for them is they're kind of doing what we asked of them when we did a preview uh, earlier on. They're up there in third place in terms of points per game, averaging 118 a game. Offensive rating, they are in second place in the league. And then in terms of opponent points, defensive rating, they're right around the mid-range, which is kind of all we were really expecting for that team they can be a really high offensive team and just somewhere in the middle in terms of uh, defensive qualities and defensive uh, standings that they really had a shot at making a big impact on the eastern conference this year and that's exactly what they're doing defensively they've looked so much better and a year looks really good on both reddish and hunter in terms of defensive rotations and knowing when to help when not to help Clint Capella being healthy and active in their rotations has looked amazing for them defensively. And, you know, maybe it doesn't boost them even more, but they haven't even got Okongwu on the floor. And Okongwu is that guy that they drafted for that, that energy, that defense rebounding that you saw from Adebayo in, in his uh, early years in the heat. They have a team right now that's gelling in a way that I didn't expect. I, I don't think that I saw them gelling this quick and it's a pretty good sign for people who actually thought that they were going to contend. I was on the outside shot of that. I wasn't sure if all this was going to fit right away, but it really does. And Bogdan can't talk about him enough. I mean, he's such an aggressive player and having, having an offensive threat like him off the dribble, he'll shoot anything that he gets his hands on. It's really important that he continues to thrive in this system alongside Trey, who, I mean, when are we going to stop? When are we going to stop the, the slander? This guy has to be a top five offensive player in the league right now. He's scoring an efficient, efficient, near 29 points a game. And he's, what, five foot 10, five foot 11? We got to start putting him in the, the same conversation as uh, our Isaiah Thomases, our, uh, our Nate Robinsons. He's, he's going to be one of the best 
small players ever. I mean, yeah. I mean, right here, right now, I'm looking at it. I'm saying Trey Young is going to be on an all-NBA team this year and the Atlanta Hawks are going to make the playoffs. That's a G guarantee right there. I think he's – another thing for Young, is he becoming one of the more hated players in the league? Like, he's, he's slowly, slowly taking that from Harden. Like, you see when, when like, when John Morant – uh, when he was playing in the game one or two, when he got fouled, I think it was the third time in the half, he was going crazy. He's never lost his composure like that before. You see people fouling him off of these little ticky-tack uh, moves from the perimeter, and people just absolutely go crazy uh, over him. And like I, I love, I love also in these games now that you don't have the crowd noise, you can hear everything they're saying, especially when they're uh, pissed off about one of those fouls. But he, he goes into every game now with the target on his back. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's got to be – he's got to be loving that. That's 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 That shows his development as a player, and it should be something that Atlanta fans are getting real excited about, and it's something that Trey Young should think, I'm slowly becoming the man here. I'm becoming a guy that teams fear, and that should just inspire him to kick on towards – towards the playoffs and towards uh, just greatness as an individual player. So I also want to talk about a couple of the teams in the East. Um, I think we, we had the Philadelphia we agreed on. We're pretty, pretty excited about. What have you thought of their players like? I mean, Philadelphia, question marks, question marks, question marks. That's all we had last year was, was the disaster. Let's just put it out there. But, Doc Rivers coming in as coach. They made some slight changes to their roster. And it seems like they've committed to Simmons and Embiid for at least this year. Who knows, that might change. But it's clicking at the moment, and it has looked very exciting and very impressive. And big thing for them is Doc Rivers appears to have got Tobias Harris playing some decent ball. He had a real tough year last year, but at this moment, he's got averaging 19 points, eight boards, three assists, shooting 52% from the field, shooting over 47% from three. He's been like butter from the free throw line. This guy is showing up and it's alongside Simmons and Embiid who are showing their version, their best selves. So yeah, exciting times for Philly. And I think, they look like they're going to show up this year. They're a lot like the Clippers when, I think we might have mentioned this in a couple of podcasts ago, how they're looked at as this contending team who no one expects to go any further. So in this short stretch of regular season games, it, it pales into comparison to what they should be doing. So I won't overreact too much, but I think we could at least say that it's encouraging to see the start that they've had. Um, they have the continuity of their main players and a couple of new additions, getting in Danny Green, getting in Seth Curry, two elite three-point shooters, which, I mean, Danny Green's felt falling off a little bit, but I, I'm confident he will, he was going to get that back. But having those two spacing the floor has absolutely changed how this team plays. You don't see awkward um, collisions in the paint. You, there's a lot more movement now. And having the ability to have Simmons kick it out and not have Josh Richardson clunk up a three. 
rely on Matisse Thybulle to be a 3 and D player when he barely has gotten his three-point shot under him, which, I, by the way, I, I haven't seen him on the floor at all, uh, barely in any of the key moments of any of these games. And it seems like Doc Rivers has given up on him a bit, but I think it's because of that shooting. You see that everything moves a lot, a lot smoother with those two guys on the court. Yeah, I think uh, let's not let's not forget. We give Ben Simmons his credit. He's a hundred percent from three this year. He's shot one and he's made <laughs> one. So fair play to Ben. But yeah, no, Seth Curry has been the big one. I mean, he's averaging uh, over fifteen points, shooting fifty six percent from the field, shooting fifty four percent from three, and he's yet to miss a free throw. This guy is stepping up for Philly. Whether he can continue it, I don't know, but. He's certainly capable because he not he's not quite a, his brother Steph, but this guy is a great shooter and he is going to be a key component of this Philly team moving forward. Yeah, they have when they have shooting around them, when they have scoring around them, you have the DNA of a championship team. And they we mentioned it time and time again. All it was is a bounce couple of bounces for them to to either be where they're at today or be former NBA champions and they have Simmons who once we just get over the fact that he's not a shooter like when we can get over that I mean this guy defends one through five he is an absolute terror in the fast break he is leading the league every year for the past two years now in three-pointers made and that's also with the fact that he had none shooters on his team last year and what can't he do besides shoot? He play makes, he gets to fast break points, he plays defense, he rebounds, he does absolutely everything. And for him to be paired with Joel Embiid, who I think has looked a lot more patient this year, he's, he's slowing down the game even more. And the efficiency that he's had over the past couple of years, getting better and better, pairing them two together, having Joel Embiid be a little bit more, um, give Simmons a little bit more space to, to play. Let, let shooters um, get their shots off. He's not as unnecessarily aggressive in certain situations like that, that I've seen so far. They still have a shot and people are sleeping on them. People are sleeping on the Pacers, but the Eastern Conference could be a little bit more crowded than we thought. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know, I'm a big Joel Embiid guy and he's, he's, he's proven the catalyst for this Philly team. I mean, their only loss is the game that he missed. So he's that kind of obviously it's just a one-off game could have easily happened with him on the court as well, but he's showing his dominance on both ends of the court, and I think he's only going to get better this year. And if Philly can keep other guys healthy and keep playing this style of basketball they're playing, end of the day they're going to be a real fun team to watch this year. And give Tyrese Maxi more minutes, guys, a stud. <laughs> well man well that, that, that'll come you know we're only seven games in guys guys will start to get more minutes as, as the season progresses so that we won't, won't, won't worry about that too much so who else who else we got on surprises i got the pelicans down there they they made a solid start four and three biggest thing though new coach stan van gundy has clearly worked on is making them more solid defensively. Oh, yeah. And it has worked because they are, on average, 
opponent scoring 104 points against them, which is third in the league compared to 27th last year. And their defensive rating is 104.2, which is good enough for third in the league where they finished 19th last year. So it's clear that Stan has come in and worked on this team's weaknesses. And the most important thing is it hasn't had a negative effect on their offensive output. Yeah, I've, I've liked what I've seen from their defense. Definitely their defense, their rebounding is just as good as it was. Um, their turnovers, though, they're, they're still bottom of the league in turnovers. And you saw how they, they fumbled away a couple of games here already. But I think that I need a little bit more time on this team. They're, they're, one, of, they're one of those teams where I want to see how, how a lot of their young players gel into it. And Stan Van Gundy, for me, was an interesting hire because of the way that he runs his teams a little bit slower. He's always been known for half-court offense for a team like this that wants to run. Give it a few more weeks before I start to judge how their, how their pace has been. But I think that one of the most encouraging signs for me for them is Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. He's, he still has some, some room to work with, but he has taken another step in terms of how smooth he looks on the offensive end. He knows how to find his spots. He knows how to get there. He knows how to use use the screens, and he's a much better playmaker than he's been before. And the one thing I got to get on, though, is the late clutch situation, which has not been very kind to Ingram. I mean, he's shooting 8 of 28 from there right now, and that has been a major issue for a team that's completely, just completely relied on him in the fourth quarter. It's, It's Brandon Ingram, ISO, and right now it's, not worked. So I, this, this like, this idea that your best player always has to take the last shot, it, it's almost not working out for the the Pelicans right now. You might see them going somewhere else. Give give Zion a touch in the post or something. Yeah, especially uh, last night. I think he, he ended up taking a terrible shot late in the game. I think he he kind of worked himself into a bit of a hole and then just threw up kind of a hail mary when he could have. He could have worked himself a better shot. So I think he's still he's still learning in that aspect of his game and in working the move late on in the game to get to get the good look. But Angum, of course, has been huge. I'm not gonna lie, I was totally expecting him to have a drop off after the big year last year. And the biggest thing for them is he's basically putting up the same numbers that he did for the entire season last year, early on uh, this year, which which is huge for them. And if he can continue that, they're gonna they're gonna be a fun team to watch. And it's just kind of the big thing is can he become that clutch guy? He's still a young player, he's still learning how to become that guy. And sometimes guys just don't have it. So yeah, maybe give Zion the shot later on, see what he can do with it. But I mean, Brandon's been been so good and I hope it's going to continue because I love his style of play. I, I'm always just fascinated, similar to Durant, the length of his body. He's just, his arms just extend beyond where you would ever expect them to be able to go. And it's just, it's so fun. But I got my question marks about Zion Williamson. I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm ready. What do you, what do you got? <laughs> what Zion slander you got for me right now? The biggest thing is that all I was hearing about Zion Williamson is 
He is the next coming of LeBron James. And for me, I was expecting a little bit more, especially in this modern NBA. He has no, well, maybe he does have it, but he hasn't shown it yet. He got no outside shot. He's going to have to develop that. He's weak from the free throw line and he's shooting at about 60% on about seven or eight attempts per game. But I was expecting a walk and highlight reel. That's what I was expecting out of Zion Williamson early. Like I've seen more highlights from, from, uh, from LaMelo than I have from Zion Williamson. And I know he's had his injuries and everything, but he's got to, he's got to step up and show me a little bit more because I'm definitely looking at him in a negative way by comparing him to what others were saying about him, which is definitely stupid, but I'm struggling to get my head around it. And I got to remember LeBron James in his second season averaged 27, seven and seven was shooting from the field pretty well, shooting from three pretty well. Is Zion going get, gonna to get to do that? Is Zion going to be able to step up and, and show that quality? I don't know. That is so not fair. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I, I know it isn't fair, LeBron, but I can't help it. <laughs> LeBron James rookie season or bust, one of the, the best rookie seasons of all time. That's that's fair. This guy is already averaging twenty and eight. Just take it, be happy. But I, <laughs> you, do you, do you want me to talk about some some RJ Barrett? We're gonna start talking about uh, young guys. Don't get me started on that. If we talk about the last two games, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, we're not gonna talk about the twenty percent. Okay, we won't talk about twenty percent shooting. Uh, obviously, he's, he's, he's shooting uh twenty percent better than Zion, zero percent from three, but. That is a real issue. I'll, I'll concede that. I'm a big Zion guy. And I think for me, the reason that it's not coming for him, the highlights, is because he doesn't have the space to work with. He's, he's very, very often knifing his way into a double team, into a triple team. He's having to, to grab boards and two, three guys. He's doing all of this while teams are packing the paint. They know exactly what's coming when they get to the they get to a fast break or they get in the half court. Zion Williamson's gonna gonna post up, he's gonna roll, and they go right to drop coverage. They go right to rotating early. And Zion's, I mean his highlights have all been layups, but I mean the guy sometimes jumps from like the free throw line and all of a sudden he's he's at the rim. And like it's crazy. So you don't see his dunks anymore because they don't have the spacing to do it. That's a, the biggest problem for me that I think has been very apparent in their, their inefficiency on the offensive end and their turnovers. It's so easy to, to pack the lane. It's so easy to, to attack the passing lanes. It's going to take a positional move in my mind or a trade to get some more shooting into this starting lineup because Zion Williamson next to Adams, um, next to Bledsoe, who, who has had a, a solid start to the year, um, I don't think that's gonna gonna work out for the length of the season. If you want to get your highlights, at least. Well, you know, well, something that's definitely killing them is JJ Redick can't find any sort of form this year. He is he is just not at it at all. He is shooting twenty seven percent from the field and shooting twenty four percent from three. I mean, this guy is supposed to be your clutch three ball shooter. He's supposed to be the guy when you need to make a three pointer. You get him open and he'll sink it. 
That ain't happening with JJ this year. He he's basically their only volume three point shooter. I mean, Brandon Ingram, sure, um, but you you rely on off ball shooting. You hope it's going to be him. Um, you'd want to see a little bit more from Josh Hart, I'd say. But they're they're really they're really dying for uh, for that shot, especially to get Zion going a little bit more. I, I thought Zion has been fantastic besides the shooting. I think you're I think you're crazy. Oh we got we are we are gonna be a bit crazy in this life. But that is I, I will label that him as as something he's gotta he's gotta add to his game. Of course, don't get me wrong, this guy won't even be 21 until the offseason. So he's got time on his side to develop these areas of his game. But in this modern NBA to to be a franchise leading player, you gotta have some sort of consistent shooting ability. And that's something that he's gotta add. Yeah. Um I liked we were going with that until we started slandering Zion. So I guess I'm scared of where you're gonna go next. Who's who's our next uh, surprise? Well, we gotta talk Phoenix Suns. They have been they've been good. They've been real good. They've they've surprised a lot of people. And biggest thing for them is CP3 has come in and he has just done everything that they wanted him to do. He's come in, he's leading the offense, and he's leading that team into just to be a more consistent outfit. It's night and day, absolutely. The way their team operates on a nightly basis. His communication seems infectious. It seems like the team's talking more. The team knows where to be. And they don't look like that young team that they were last year. In terms of maturity, they, they look like they've made a jump. Same way when I when I look at the Hawks and how they how they've grown up, I I see that even more in how the Suns have matured, and especially Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges looks like a legitimate starting uh, piece for a team that wasn't quite sure if he was going to show up on the offensive end. He's doing a fantastic job spacing the floor and playing all NBA defense right now. Yeah, I mean he's he's been he's been a revelation. I mean, he's he's shooting nearly nearly a 50, 40, 90 season at the moment. He's just yeah, that's not, not going to stay. <laughs> but yeah, you talk to defense. He's been a key part of that, and it's showing. Opponents' points per game only averaging just over a hundred. That's first. That's first in the league. Got a defensive rating that has them sitting fourth. These guys have developed, and. They've added some defense to what that was something that was desperately needed by this Phoenix team, and Bridges had, was has been arguably the key component of that, and he's been the guy that's showing up there, uh, showing up every night. I look at Aiton as well at the moment, just walk, walking in that double double machine there, that double double machine area, but. He's finally starting to get a bit more scoring going, 20-plus in the back-to-back games. He's a quick developer. He's, he's still developing his game. He's, he's, he's far from the superstar that they thought they were getting when they drafted him still, but I still see improvements in his game, and it's the small little adjustments that he's making that you, you like to see. He's always getting better, and I think if the Phoenix Suns can make it to the playoffs, it'll be huge for them this year. Yeah, I, I gotta say I'm I'm a little disappointed in in Aiton because I I've seen 
how he was playing in the preseason. And that gave me some reason to believe that he was going to jump right onto the scene. But he's had, in my mind, a little bit of a slow start for a team that, you know, you got Chris Paul, you got Devin Booker, you got guards who can run a good pick and roll. And he's only over these past handful of games, he's only averaging barely 14 points a game. I, you'd like to see him in that, in that 18 to 20 range, especially with the amount of playmaking that's around him, the amount of shooting that's around him. Um, I think he definitely has a lot of room for growth. And the most encouraging thing for me for how he's played has been on the defensive end. You saw how lost he was at times over the past couple of years, and it started to get a little bit better at the end of last year. Um, his block rate has almost doubled since his first, uh, his first season. And he looks like a competent defender. And if you can get better than that, that's all you can ask for, for a guy who's hopefully going to be able to shoot at, at three levels eventually. You've, you've yet to see him get prolific from that, from that standpoint of his game. But I'm a little bit concerned for your guy, uh, Devin Booker. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he has, he's been arguably the biggest disappointment for the, me this year only because I was expecting so much. I mean, I was looking at this guy to be the scoring champ this year. I thought he was going to come in hot, come in with that form that he showed in the bubble where they went 8-0. and He was a plus 86 player, but he's really struggling to recreate any sort of form that he showed in the bubble. Stats-wise, he's shooting only 21 points a game, four boards, four assists. He's shooting poorly from the free throw line. I mean, he's only shooting 73%, and that's well below his his career average of, uh, of 87. He's not broke 30 yet. And, yeah, I am, I'm concerned. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, maybe this team is no longer needing him to be their everything on the offensive end because they're still doing pretty okay with him not having not showing his best self yeah it is certainly not wet like it's book right now his shooting has fallen off and it's too early to react and it's for me i i'm, I'm gonna look at it to to cool off the suns fans because the suns fans have been way too crazy about how how good of a season they're gonna have so <laughs> let them come down to earth a little bit but he's gonna be just fine his 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 shots have all have all looked good. Um, my only concern for him is in clutch time, and this is small sample size again. But you hope that he's going to be a little bit better than twenty six percent from the field in clutch time. Um, the Suns are going to have a lot of close games this year, a lot of close games, and you want it to be him. You don't you don't want it to be Chris Paul. But they're going to have to rely a little bit more on Chris Paul, who's been able to take a backseat in playmaking every night, get, giving the ball up to, to Devin Booker. But I'm very excited about the direction of this team, despite how Devin Booker hasn't performed, because he's going to get back there. He's going to get back to that form. And when he does, he's got a very, very functional team. This is going to be the best team he's ever been on. And 
you're going to have the lights on you because he needs to make the playoffs this year because the way that they've started out, the way that they've created these expectations for themselves, I mean, the story writes it itself. He's finally got the the running mate and Chris Paul. He's got these young guys coming into their own, and this is his first year to really prove that he's not a star. He's a superstar. Yeah, absolutely. I call I call on him start of the season. I was looking at even just his draft class as a whole, and he was kind of the main one I was looking at to really finally step up and show his show his best self and deliver for his team. He's got the tools now. You can't have the excuse that he is playing as the one guy in a mediocre team. He's got the tools now. He's just got to step up to the plate, which I do believe he will. But hey, come on, show show me a little bit. Show me a little bit more something there, 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 D book. I'll, I'll give him a couple. I'll give him a couple of months. It, it, I think I think it'll take uh, a couple months before he gets his first sixty point game. I'm calling it right here. It'll be as. as we won't, you won't notice it too much until the Suns themselves as a team start losing games consistently. Then, then you'll start to look and see what sort of points he's putting up. <laughs> All right, so who else? Do we miss anyone here? I know there's a lot of, a lot of surprise we got to cover. We're coming just up on time here. I think, I think we good. We got, we got the main ones, the ones that are real surprises that are showing stuff that no one was expecting heading, in, heading into this year. You could look at other teams that like like the Clippers and a few other teams, but you're kind of also at the same time, you look at them and say, okay, this is what they should be doing. We all just kind of were hoping that they'd have a little, had a little uh, a stop-start season because of what happened to them last year. But for the most part, I think we covered the teams that have surprised and have looked like a different, a better version of themselves compared to the previous season. Absolutely. And this is a, this is a official Luca podcast. So we will not be talking about the fact that he looks out of shape that he spent the last, uh, last two months in Europe, just eating pastries and drinking wine. Um, we won't talk about that at all. Um, but we will, we'll, 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 we'll watch how that team has gone. Cause they, they were very close to uh, our disappointment list here. Yeah, I think that the fact that they they ain't got a, they ain't got their second star on the court at the moment has maybe just saved them a little bit in my eyes anyway. And no, no KP. If if KP was playing and they were these are the numbers that they were putting up and the the performances they were delivering, oh, they would definitely be right up there in the disappointment ranks. All right. Well, we're gonna be back on the air maybe sometime the end of this week, early next week. We're gonna want to talk about redrafting we're going to want to talk about potential trades we're going to talk about all the woulda coulda shouldas all the things in the nba that we think might have been huge i'll drop mine where i want to talk about we'll do it very soon the very sad tale long tale of derrick rose very close to my heart long talk about that and the woulda coulda shoulda that situation but before that's all over, we got some more action tonight. Definitely going to be tuning into the Timberwolves-Nuggets game, see how that turns around. And I think Nets Jazz tonight as well. And what's your predictions? I'm thinking it's going to be a big night from Kyrie and the Nets are going to pick up the W. And I think it's going to be another win for the Nuggets because the T-Wolves are not going to be able to figure it out without Cap. Really, I'm taking I'm taking Jazz. Jazz by ten. They're gonna they're gonna cruise past the Nets right now. They're they're imploding. I think. 
Well, there's no 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 KD due to due to the coronavirus protocol. So yeah, that that, that could be the shout out, right? Definitely not. I'll take uh, easily the Nuggets. Nuggets are gonna kill them this game. It's it's not gonna be close. It'll be a twenty point game. We got Murray. Murray's getting back to back to bubble form as well. So I think uh, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. Uh, don't watch Tim Bulls fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I will catch you next time. We'll we'll be recording sometime later this week. Good seeing you as always. Yeah, man. Take care. Good to talk to you. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment